My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our show will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, it is my pleasure to welcome Vicky Reddington onto the programme today. Uh, Vicky, welcome to you, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. And uh, Vicky, just for those uh, listeners that might not be familiar with her, is the co-founder of Amplified Group. And Amplified is a change management organisation which really helps build more engaged, coherent and united teams through a breakthrough business methodology. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that later on in the programme because it's built on a couple of uh, principles, clarity of purpose being one, but also the five behaviours model by uh, Patrick Lencioni as well. And I'm sure, as I say, we'll go into all of those things in greater detail in due course. Um, but for now, Vicky, I suppose that's probably the more succinct description of what it is that you do at Amplify Group, isn't it? So for the listeners, perhaps you could kind of expand upon that and tell us a bit more about what it is that you do in your own words, please. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, the Amplified Group, we were set up um, and we are, we're from the tech industry. So our background is the tech industry. And we predominantly work in the tech industry and we're about helping the tech industry execute faster. So how do we help ex- organizations execute faster? Well, the tech industry, although it's about tech, it's powered by people mm. as, as are all industries. And it's how we work together that really makes the difference. And so that's where we focus. Yes, that's very interesting. And um, I guess that, when you came to establishing the Amplify Group and sort of working on sort of, you know, building up the tech industry and moving it forward from, you know, the people perspective, the leadership perspective, I guess that kind of feeds um, from personal experience, doesn't it? Because um, you have worked in the IT industry um, for a good amount of time. And I guess that maybe sort of formed the inspiration for you to kind of go on and do what it is that you're doing now. Yes. So I was really fortunate to start my career at Citrix. And when I started at Citrix, I actually started out as a tech evangelist. And I worked at, I started in a, a UK role, then a Northern European role, um, then a European role, and then a global role. And actually, my last role at Citrix was leading their global SMB business. But all of the different roles that I did there were all about driving change. Mm. And then I moved from Citrix to VMware, which is another tech industry giant that actually quite a few organizations you know, haven't heard of, but actually VMware powers the cloud that we all take for granted for now. It's the underlying infrastructure in there. And again, in there, I was acting as a, as a change management leader, but didn't realize actually that that's what I was doing. Um, but came to the realization that my passion was not tech, it was people. Because as I say, it's, it's how we work together that, that really makes the difference. Yes, exactly right. And um, did you find that in some of those kind of earlier roles when you were moving to, you know, sort of a regional role and then a global role with people and managing people, getting the best out of them, did you have to be sensitive to maybe sort of cultural differences in the workplace to try and get the best out of people? Um, certainly. I mean, I think probably one of, the, one of my trickiest roles was that when I was actually working out in China and working through a translator, that was certainly very different. But actually, even, you know, just bringing it back to the UK and focusing on the UK, when we talk about diversity, 
what we focus on is diversity of thought because it's really important that if you're going to have an effective team, you have the, the big thinkers and the forward thinkers, but also the people that can really get into the detail of it as well. Mm. And so it's and not just understanding cultural differences, but understanding what makes a great team and having the right team dynamics and people complementing each other. And I think that's, that's a piece that, God, I wish I'd known about 20 years ago. Yeah, and it's it's something as well, I guess, that maybe some young entrepreneurs might kind of, it's a trap that they might fall into, isn't it? Because when you're building a team around you, I suppose what you've got to consider is maybe your own shortcomings in that process as well and understand exactly what it is that maybe you're not particularly good at. So you're surrounding yourself with the right people and with the requisite skills for that sort of future success. Yes, it is. And so, you know, having that self-awareness to start with. So, you know, a lot of the work that we do at the Amplified Group is about understanding ourselves, understanding the team dynamics. But then not only that, um, you know, you mentioned at the at the beginning of this, uh, the introduction about, Patrick Lencioni and the five dysfunctions of a team. Mm. That Microsoft describe his work as the operating system for teams. And if you don't know how to work with a team, you know, sometimes you can work in a team and the chemistry is just brilliant and it's magic. And then other times you feel frustration because you don't really feel like everybody's pulling in the same direction and there's hidden agendas. What I love about the Lencioni methodology and how that really complements once you understand yourself is there are ways to really accelerate how a team works effectively together, but you need to know. It's like riding a bike. You can actually learn the process. So when we think about the uh, the Lencioni methodology, uh, what are those five behaviours that that's essentially built on? Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, sure. Um, so the foundation of the five behaviours is trust. Mm. And when we talk about trust, we tend to think of trust as predictive trust. So I can predict that Scott's going to turn up on time and everything's going to be organised because that's how Scott is. Actually, what Lencioni talks about is vulnerability-based trust. So it's a safe place to say what we really think without thinking about the consequences of us saying what we really think. It's a safe place to ask for help and to admit mistakes. In fact, the, the new language for that, I think now that's really catching on, is psychological safety. But that's really what we're looking for. And if you've got a safe place to say what you really think, then the next um, of the behaviours is conflict. And conflict sounds like a strange thing to have, as, but it's productive conflict. And actually, we do work in the boardroom and the code of governance for boards in the UK talks about the importance of robust debate. And the idea here is that you are mining for the best ideas and the best ideas come when you don't actually realize whose idea it was in the first place. They're just building on each other. And conflict is about really ensuring that everybody is being heard. And so when we talked a little bit earlier about those different styles, there are those people that hog the microphone that are the loud people in the room. Mm. And then you've got those people that actually, they've got the best ideas, but they're the quietest, but they want to be asked their opinion. And so if if you allow the environment that you have that projective conflict where everybody's being heard, not just the loudest people that are dominating the conversation, and you have that projective conflict, 
the idea is there that you can get to the best idea. And then the next of the behaviors is commitment. And the idea behind this is, I mean, have you ever, have you ever thought to yourself, well, if I make it their idea, they're much more likely to come along or, or be, in, be in the boat with me. Mm-hmm. If, if people have been heard and they feel like they have contributed to the idea and they've been heard, they're much, much more likely to commit to the decision. And so if you commit to the decision, the next element of that is accountability. Now, accountability is the hardest of the, of the five behaviors. And what we find, actually, is that if you haven't got clarity about what you're being asked to do, then it's really, really hard to hold people accountable and to have those difficult conversations. And the simple example that I give is when we first started doing workshops, I'd say it'd be really good if you read the five dysfunctions of a team book before you come along to the workshop. Now, because I didn't say you need to have read it by this time and this is why you need to have read it and this is the benefits you're going to get out of it, then when people turned up and they hadn't read the book, I couldn't hold them accountable. And what we tend to find is we all rush out of meetings and we think, oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. But actually, we really don't. We haven't got a clue on actually who is doing what exactly and having that clarity. So going back to that robust debate is if you've had a really productive debate where you've got um somebody that is a clarity seeker in the room because some of us are a big picture and we don't need to have a lot of detail and then you've got others that go actually no I'm going to take notes here and I'm going to document what we're actually agreeing and having that clarity then it's much much easier to hold people accountable and then the last of the five behaviors is results but it's about team results so before I was introduced to this methodology I thought oh yeah I'm a team player I'm definitely a team player. I, I'm always thinking of, of other people. But what I didn't realize was when I would turn up to a leadership team meeting, I would be there representing my team and out to win for my team and get the best for what, what our agenda is. Instead of actually looking at the bigger picture and think, what are we trying to achieve as a European organization? Or what are we trying to achieve as a global organization? And can I take off my functional hat and see how I can contribute to that instead of the agenda that that I may have? Mm. So that overall team result is is really where the, the Lencioni methodology comes into its own. And I think it's particularly relevant now because because of the, the hybrid working that we're doing. So many people aren't in the office. And I think, you know, we have our natural team meetings, but we're not having those general interactions, those meeting at the water cooler conversations that we're having. And so those silos are forming more than ever. Mm. And that is really causing huge challenges inside organizations right now. Yes, exactly. It's about sort of breaking down that silo thinking, isn't it? And making yeah. sure that people... Uh, the second point um, sort of really um, struck me uh, because it reminded me of something and it was um, sort of about sort of 
how people may feel when you know they're not heard and their opinions aren't valued but it's not necessarily for want of the leader sort of putting them down it's it's more down to the fact that maybe the leader isn't inviting those with the quieter voices to speak and I suppose that when you don't sort of extend your hand in a leadership role and invite that you're almost it's the things that you don't do rather than the bad things that you are doing that does the damage isn't it and we, we wonder mm-hmm. why um there's things like quiet quitting going on and there's a lot of noise about the great resignation it's it's failings on things like that isn't it well it is and i think it's it's simple things so i've been asked mm. to um to moderate a panel discussion in a couple of weeks about employee engagement from a, a uh, we we use some amazing technology called Beacon Force. And in in looking at employee engagement, they're looking at the importance of employee recognition. Mm. But recognition is not just about awards. It's about making sure that people feel like they're they're being valued. And so I've I've had an instance fairly recently where um, a friend of mine was telling me that there was a leadership meeting and they weren't invited to help, to for their opinions, to speak at it, and yet they're part of the leadership team. And it, it, things like that where people don't feel like they're being valued, that has an enormous effect. And I think I think you bang on with what you said previously. Yeah, and I think as well that a similar sort of thing applies when you're not checking in as a leader on things like the well-being of somebody um, that you're working with, one of your colleagues. Um, given that people are a lot more sort of aware of that, um, certainly since the uh, the pandemic, and people perhaps are a lot more purpose-driven these days, I mean, if you aren't doing those basics, again, there's going to be a little bit of unrest within the workforce, isn't there? And when we are seeing a very, very difficult recruitment environment out there right now with record vacancies and... Uh, obviously um low unemployment um in tandem with that it is difficult to source talent when you do have sort of an exodus of it within your workforce so retention and employee engagement it's almost having to kind of feed into your risk management strategy now isn't it i think it is and i think there is incredible pressure at the moment from the great attrition and certainly in the tech industry we've been seeing as much as 30 percent of people leaving Mm. um and we are just about to publish um a survey that we've done about new hire productivity and how long it takes for those new people to come up to speed and tech organizations tend to hope and they put targets in place that people will be um productive within three months our survey is showing that more than 80 percent are saying it's taking over six months so if you've got that squeeze of new hires coming up to feeling productive and then you've got a looming recession that squeeze in the middle i think everybody's feeling the pressure and through that what we find is you jump on a call to do a, a, a meeting and you're straight into right what we've got what have we got to get done and people aren't feeling cared about. And so we're, we're really big on compassionate leadership. And it's about making the time for people. And, and just yesterday, so we're, we are at the Amplified Group. We're a, a small core team. And then we have an extended team, depending on how many projects we've got on and what we're doing. And our core team, on a Monday morning, we spend the first half an hour 
just finding out how people are, how their weekends were. And from that, it feels like we're, you know, you could look at it and go, well, you just wasted half an hour. Actually, what comes out of that is the guys are so motivated and they care so much about what we're trying to achieve. I've got, you know, a couple of people that were set off on a project yesterday and they did the work that 12 people could have accomplished mm. because their heart was really in it, because they feel cared about. And I think, it, so part of what we say is go slow to go faster. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I suppose it's all about the fact that productivity correlates with employee satisfaction and happiness doesn't it and i had a really um i had a really positive discussion about this uh, this very theme on the uh, other podcast recently actually and um i think somebody put it to me this way it was rather than saying that uh you've got you know six hours in a day to complete a specific task it's more about kind of inviting your workforce to to sort of say well what can you get done in this uh, six hours and rather than actually sort of dragging something out over that period of time and getting something done to deadline it's about what maybe sort of with your with your positive engagement and sort of with your employee happiness in the equation um you could actually bring that sort of six hour task down to maybe say sort of one hour and then it's about what else can we do beyond that and um there there is isn't there um, a correlation between sort of those businesses that do have the most satisfied workforces and how productive they are and if you do invest the time in these basic and simple things as you say like making sure in the morning that everybody's in the right headspace ask them how they're feeling eventually you are going to outperform your competitors. Yeah, and that that is exactly why we do what we do. But I think there's another element to it, and it's not just about the individual. Mm. I firmly believe that people join organisations because they can see the potential of the organisation. And, you know, we know that people leave organisations, they leave their managers. But I think there's another element to it, which is what we call team experience or team X. And it's who you're working with. And very often, if I've got a challenge a challenge that we're trying to solve as, as a business, I bring the team together and together we fix it because it's two heads are better than one, four heads. You know, it's, mm. it's getting the right people in the room. And I tell you, we can make magic happen. I see this with the teams that we work with. They've got big challenges ahead of them and you get them in the right room, create that psychological safety. And my goodness, you can make magic happen because it doesn't need to be down to an individual. It's coming together and having that right team experience and it's unlocking that. And I think if we could do that more, more intentionally, the productivity of organizations would go up significantly and that's pretty much what we're about it's about bringing the team together to solve sort of common yeah. problems and i guess as well to sort of kind of feed in again and uh, sort of cater to the um the more kind of purpose aligned workforce of today certainly that we've seen since the pandemic i guess also emphasizing the uh, the why is also quite yeah. important isn't it and when you're sort of dealing with challenges that probably also feeds into that sort of greater purpose doesn't it it, it ab- absolutely does. You have to always start with why. I mean, Simon Sinek has done an absolutely tremendous job mm. of of highlighting the importance of that. But I think there's another piece to it as well. So it's not just the why. So you, you talked about the Amplified Group and what we stand for. So we, mm. we measure speed of execution through four different elements. So we talk about purpose. So that's the why. 
but also trust, making sure that you've got that trust. Because if you've got pent up feelings and people can't say what they really think and you haven't really got down to the bottom of actually why you've got challenges, mm. um, I tell a, a story about um, the guy that turned round Ford, Alan Mullaney, and he talks about the fact that you can't fix secrets. So if you've got that safe environment where you can raise problems early, then you can affect those. So making sure you've got the trust in the environment. But also then clarity. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of clarity. I've seen lack of clarity absolutely paralyze organizations because they don't know what's expected of them. And we did it, um, we were working with a, a pharmaceutical company actually a little while ago. And they said they wanted everybody to feel empowered. And once we got to the bottom of it, what the challenge was, was there was no guardrails there. So people, I likened it to everyone was empowered to the point where, you know, those extendable dog leads mm. where you see, you know, and the dog keeps going, going and going and going as far as it can. And then it gets choked back. It was because the guardrails weren't in place to be able to ensure that they knew really what was expected of them. And so they would go off on a tangent and then be pulled back and have had wasted that time on that tangent. So clarity is, is really critically important. And then the last piece that we have is simplicity, which is fundamental to everything we do because quite simply, the simpler you keep things, the faster you can go. That's it, isn't it? It's decoding the uh, the complex exercises yeah. to make sure that people know exactly what they're doing and what is expected of them. That is hugely important. And um, yeah. I do like also what you said about sort of trust as well and the sort of making sure that people feel that they do have that sort of psychological safety to come and speak out about various topical matters and issues and also their own mental health and well-being as well. And I suppose with the latter, it's positive that we've seen a lot of good movement on that since, uh, since COVID. Um, I think we have. Yeah. But obviously, just for some of those sort of younger body entrepreneurs uh, that may well be tuning into this or may have just sort of recently started their own business, if we're thinking about sort of nailing down trust very early on and making sure that their workforces, you know, feel that they can speak out, um, what are some of the practical things that you feel that they really should be doing? I mean, I suppose sort of maybe as a leader showing your own vulnerability and your own accountability and sort of owning your own mistakes and not letting the blame culture fester. I suppose yeah. they're important things, but I guess there, there is a lot more to it as well. There is more to it than that, I think. And um, I think the first thing is, as a leader, you don't have to have all the answers. Mm. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If if you are there and you're showing your vulnerability and saying, I haven't got all the answers here, can you help? Then people feel like they've got some skin in the game. They feel like they're being listened to. They feel like they're contributing. So that's a huge motivation. But the other, one of the things that Lencioni says is people think that it takes time to build trust. Actually, what it takes is courage. Mm. And so we actually do have several tools. And actually, we're just about to um, put some up on our website that are all free. And they are to help organizations deliberately build trust. So simple things like... Um, a working with me profiler. So rather than having the guesswork out of how do you like to be communicated with? Do you want to be communicated with over Slack or email? Or do you prefer someone picking up the phone to you? Rather than having to guess that, why don't we write that down? So 
it's it's based on the old idea of the Haynes manual that we used to have for cars, but let's do it for individuals and let's share that. And as a leader, if you share yours, but not just about how you want to do it, but what do you like out of work? What are the hobbies? What what where else do your, does your mind go? And getting connecting as human beings, as I said, it makes such a difference. We've got to enjoy work, haven't we, Scott? We've got mm. to have fun. We spend so much of our life in work. If we feel like we can enjoy it, then it makes a huge difference. So we've got some tools to help organisations accelerate getting to know each other because you can do it deliberately and intentionally. And it doesn't take long. It doesn't, does it? I mean, it takes a very short amount of time, actually, to really sort of... Um, instigate sort of trust within an organization I think that's absolutely right and I think showing sort of your consciousness of that I mean you're going to reap the benefits aren't you because what you're going to have what you're going to have is you're going to have um, employees that trust you recognize your vulnerability as a leader feel like they're contributing and you're showing as well that you recognize in your approach by sort of tailoring what you're doing to each individual getting to know them that you recognize one size doesn't fit all and I think where you almost try to sort of instill that within an organization and just you aren't showing any adaptability in your leadership style how you work with your employees how you speak to them negotiate with them like that's when you're going to start to see people maybe veering off in different directions isn't it it is and i think a trap that um, leaders can fall into is hiring carbon copies of themselves Mm. whereas you know we really recommend making sure that you've got I mean, we use DISC simply because we like DISC from a a psychometric perspective because I'm no HR expert, I'm no psychology expert, but I love the simplicity of it and ensuring that I'm really working with people that can do the big picture, but then those that can do detail, those that are more, you know, I know for a fact I can't proofread. (laughs) That level of detail, I'm just not good at. And making sure that we've got the team and you've got all those diverse ideas makes makes a really big difference. But something else that you just said there, and if you don't mind, I'd just really like to very quickly tell this story. So I'm going back to Alan Mullaney. So you were talking about, it's not just about building trust. You've got to prove it. And people have to mm. see over time that actually trust is there. And the, and the, the story I was going to just, tell you very quickly about Alan Mullaney. So when he came in to turn around Ford, he introduced a weekly business review where he had a very simple rag system of um, each of his leaders. And he said, you are accountable for these different areas and every week we're going to review them. Now, when he came in, Ford were on the break of bankruptcy. But in the first week, that um, he introduced this. So it's a rag system. Everything was green because people didn't feel safe enough to be able to admit they'd got a problem. The next week, everything was green. The following week, everything was green. The fourth week, I think it was about the fourth week, as far as I can remember, um, they introduced uh, the, sorry, the person that was running the Americas admitted that he'd got a problem and he put red on his rag and there was a gasp around the room and everyone thought, oh my goodness, he's going to be in trouble. Malaley stood up and clapped and said, thank goodness somebody has 
given as a problem to fix. Right, who can help? And that continued. So people realized it was a safe place to ask for help. And Malayli attributes that moment where he was first asked for help to how he turned around forward. Um, and over time, the rag went, everything went red. And they'd got so many problems they needed to fix. But it was people believing and feeling safe enough to ask for help. Makes a huge difference. It is exactly. And I think as we've spoken about, you as a leader kind of showing your own accountability and vulnerability does invite that, doesn't it? Because I suppose if you accept as well that even from the top of a business that you are not infallible, you are going to make mistakes. And the expectation is that you understand people are going to make mistakes of their own. And as long as, of course, that you learn that, that they, they learn from that and develop from that and they're able to sort of speak out about it and continue on with their development and improvement, sort of learning from the setback, that's ultimately going to uh, to be what sort of holds you in good stead moving forward. And I think what you also said was um, about sort of uh, that word diversity was really invaluable as well, because it was something I was about to say myself, uh, strength in diversity within teams, I think is so, so important. So yeah. when you're entering sort of the, uh, the scale at phase, the sprint phase in business, and you do need to bring new people yeah. on board, it is so important that, as you say, they're not carbon copies of yourself and you know they bring different skill sets to the table yes totally agree it's absolutely critical and we talked an awful lot about sort of stories from the past including um, Alan Mullaly today and um, there's some fantastic um, anecdotes there and uh, just for anybody else as well tuning into the podcast you might be interested in a little bit more about what Vicky and uh, the Amplify Group does I believe amplifygroup.co.uk is the best port of call to check that out more isn't it Vicky it is yes thank you yeah, fantastic. And um, just thinking about sort of uh, what the future might hold for yourself and the uh, the business moving forward before we wrap things up, just because I'm conscious that we're running short of time now. Um, I was wondering, um, are there any kind of key sort of goals and milestones that you do have in mind for the next year as you're sort of helping tech companies really embrace the journey of moving forward? Yeah, so although like any organisation, we've got some very clear revenue goals. What we want to do is change the world of work and change team experience. And so we've got a goal over the next two years to help 200 teams. 200 teams, Um, incredible. Yeah. And we do that. We measure that through. We have um, our speed check. And the magic number you need to get to on our speed check is 83. And so if we can help, organizations execute faster then we'll be happy and it's critical isn't it because we're at a point in time where you know the the pace of change in in tech especially is um is faster than ever and uh in a time where we know we're seeing that a need for future innovations to sort of drive productivity and move progress forward we're seeing it in energy for instance we're seeing it um in all sort or in all walks of life you know this, it's critical, isn't it, that tech industries can really move forward uh, as quickly as possible and we can really unleash the potential of that entrepreneurial spirit we have in this country. And it puts even more of a, an, an onus and an emphasis on the uh, the work that you're doing. And uh, I do certainly wish you all the luck in the world in sort of executing your mission to the best possible effect, Vicky, over the next year and beyond. And, you know, as we see the fog lifting on this uh, this next 12 months and how it's all coming together for you, I think it'd be great yeah. as well to maybe even look at just sort of reviewing where things are at and maybe catch up and have you back on the show. Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. Thank you. Because, you know, just to, to summarize, I started by saying the tech industry, but every industry, we're powered by people and it's how we work together. And I firmly believe that that 
team experience and breaking down the silos and building the team of teams, which perhaps is something that could come and talk about next time, mm. is is uh, an organization's absolute competitive advantage. And I just don't think we realize it. Exactly right. It is one of those things sometimes that I think entrepreneurs maybe aren't aware of that they should know more. And um, it is important that we, you know, share that knowledge and lay the ground for the next generation. That ultimately is what we're yeah. all about here at the Leaders Council as well. And uh, for any viewers um, that are listening into the podcast today that, you know, may have um, sort of listened to what we've been discussing and you may feel that it particularly resonates with you, you can leave a comment or a question with us. Um, that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us and anything of course that might be directed to Vicky will forward uh, directly onto her and um, if you do wish to bring your own perspective on this or any other topical matter or issue directly to the discussion table instead you can also apply to be on the program and talk through that with me and that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply that would be the port of call to go to there um, for now, it's been an immense pleasure, Vicky, welcoming you onto the uh, the program, and I've thoroughly enjoyed having you with us. And by all means, take care, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up on the uh, the program very very soon. Indeed. Thanks very much. And to all of our listeners tuning in today, I do hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed my interview with Vicky Reddington, co-founder of Amplify Group today. I've been your host on the Leaders Council podcast, Scott Chaloner, and until next time, do take care of and goodbye.